Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Did you ask Pop that question? In honor of Black History Month. Black History Month. What would you do with a brain if you had one? I want to share with you some of the people who impacted my life and my game. My wife of 27 years, Denitri. She's given me three great kids. A boy by the name of Cameron Danley, who plays football. Why he plays football? I don't know why. I don't know why. I love all you guys. To my mother, Virginia, I can remember when she asked me, what is a rebound? What is a rebound? Now, she wants to know who should be plugging on a pick and roll. She instilled honesty. She instilled honesty. Loyalty. A respect for myself so I can respect others. She would say, do not embarrass yourself or me in the public. Aunt Rosie, my second mom and number one fan. To my grandmother, she would always tell me, read with the third, third eye and eye. listen with the third ear. To my grandpa, he would tell me, Adrian, you're a basketball player. You're not a track and field star. While being coached by Morgan, Frank Fuqua instructed me on my footwork. I parried my first step after my idol, after my Elgin Bell. I copied Chet Walker's head and pump fakes. Everybody always went I scored a lot of points on that move. I remember as a ninth grader, Meeting Red Arbeck, who advised me, I hit it. He said, Adrian, John Hamlachak weighs 205. You should weigh 210. My best years as a player is when I weighed 210 pounds. The first college coach I met as a freshman was Coach Bobby Knight. He used me to demonstrate how to take a charge and die for loose balls. He said, if I work hard, I would be a great player. Coincidentally, my first college recruit letter was from Coach Knight when he was when at, West, at Point. West Point. During my senior year, my mother told me, boy, boy, you going to Indiana or North Carolina? I said, hmm. What would you do with a brain if you had one? They got a guy at Indiana, Scott May, and North Carolina run the four corners. There's a slot for me, though, at Notre Dame, so I end up signing with Dick. On the weekends, On the weekend, I would look forward to playing basketball on Luzon Playground in Washington, D.C. Afterwards, I would sit on the hill and listen to John Thompson tell stories about basketball and about life. I learned a lot. In 1976 Olympics, I had the pleasure of playing under Dean Smith. I learned to make every possession count. Cheap possessions. It must be a North Carolina thing because I hear it every day. From my boss, George Cole. A guy who helped my game at a young age, an Olympian, an All-American at St. Joe. His name was Mike Banner. He was my roommate at the University of Maryland's basketball, basketball camp. camp. We would work hard every day for a month. And at night, he predicted both of us will become a number one draft choice. Dave Bing, a fellow Washingtonian who I met when I was a rookie. He called me when I didn't make the Hall of Fame, and he called me this year to congratulate me. The road to the Hall of Fame has not been easy or smooth. I had to remain focused through the changes and the trades while constantly proving that I belong, that I belong in, this game. in this game. But I believed in myself. I didn't travel this road alone. Time won't allow me to acknowledge individually all the coaches, trainers, and many players I've come to know. Why 
If I had a brain, I could play on a lot of teams. Played on a lot of teams. Throughout my playing career, the critics said I was too short, too fat, and too slow. And that meant short players get short money. And this was said by someone five foot two. I was even said that I was a bastard size. B-A-S-T-A-R-D. Because I wasn't quick enough wasn't quick to enough. play in the backcourt, not big enough to play in the front court. But what they forgot to mention is that I had a B-R-A-I-N, a brain, a heart, a work ethic, and a will to win. These values served me on the basketball court and in the game and of in life. The game of life. This is a day that I always will church. Thank you. In honor of Black History Month. Black Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. Hashtag give the kid a vote. New York strip steak? This is the Basketball Buds. Braised beef short ribs? With Zach Harper and your favorite athletic writers. Buds edition of the Athletic NBA Show podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Zach Harper. We got Jake King. We got Mo Dakil. We got a skeleton crew because we're doing this on the fly. We're not going to record on Sunday because it's Super Bowl Sunday and people are games to go to, and games to watch, and parties and venues to hit and all that crap, right? So we're not going to do that. We're recording this on the Saturday before, so two days before this podcast comes out. So if something happens Saturday night or Sunday, our bad. A minute, 60 seconds from doing that right now. No, you're not. I am. No, you're not. Congratulations to the Rams on winning the Super Bowl. Jay, just cut whichever one Joe you need Burrow to. Joe Burrow had a crazy Joe game. Joe Burrow had a crazy game. Good or bad? Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows if he even showed up to the game? For all we know. This... Jamar Chase did that thing. Yeah, Jamar Chase did do that thing. Good or bad? Who knows? But we're recording this on Saturday, so we miss a have a little gap here. Uh, you know, Sam Anik will cover it on tampering on Tuesday. Just uh, we'll just put the blame on him. Uh, all right, we are post deadline in the NBA. Post trade deadline in the NBA. Obviously, the biggest news that came from that was the James Harden, Paul Millsap for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first round picks. Uh, that's the deal that went down. That uh, we were all kind of hoping for this resolution to the great saga of Ben Simmons and the great saga of James Harden that had just popped up. Thank God it's that over. That was either something he was worried about getting out or something he was screaming to the organization to trade him. It depends on which reporter <laughs> you want to you want to believe here. Uh, so, we don't need to take team we don't need to take sides here. Uh hashtag #team windy, but what we will do is uh <laughs> is get into this. So, something I found fascinating is once this trade was done, uh, once the trade had, had happened, I'm actually a little surprised at how many people analyzing the game. And, and some of this is, um, you know, media. Some of this is former player, former coaches who are in media. But I actually saw a lot of people now souring on the James Harden existence in Philly. Whereas before that, I didn't really feel like it was going that way. But now maybe it's because of the trade package that was given up. I'm not quite sure. Um, Daryl Morey did kind of give in here, right? He gave up Seth Curry, who was a phenomenal weapon. Um, and he gave up two first round picks. And I, 
think it's actually the right call, at least for the pick standpoint. I don't know that I would have given up Seth, but um, but whatever. That's a you know that's a debate that we can get into another time. Um, but Mo, I know you've been a little cautious about the James Harden existence next to Joel Embiid. Do you think this is overall being received as a good good move by the Sixers or a move that is you know fraught with uh, despair that's coming? I mean, we should be honest. Saying I was cautious was is probably a little bit of an understatement. I've been screaming, "Don't do this! Don't do this! Please, don't! This is not a good idea." Um, and and I kind of feel like I'm in the minority. I actually feel like a lot of people are more into the idea of they think this is going to be the best pick and roll we've ever seen, and all of that stuff. I think there's a lot of that, but there's two camps. I think there is a lot of people who who, who feel the way I do, and there's a lot of people that feel the way. Um, and more people feel the way that like, Hey, this was a good thing. They got something for a guy that wasn't playing at all. They, you know, they're not going to waste a Joel and beat season. They're, they're going all in. This is what we want to see from teams. I think that's what kind of the, the reaction I think we're getting from most people, but to your point too, of like everybody kind of like trashing this now, I think part of it has to do with just how Harden has looked the past two weeks. And also nobody really likes Daryl Morey. Really? Because I, I, well, I don't know, Jay. I, I find at least maybe in the former player, former coach standpoint, I, I agree that people don't like Daryl Morey. I feel like people are sucking up to Daryl Morey constantly in the media, though, because, uh, well, allegedly, information gets <laughs> passed on. You know, allegedly. What? Yeah, I know. It's, it's a crazy thing. Um, no. <laughs> but I, I don't find. I guess it just depends on what area of basketball Twitter you're you're interacting with. But I don't find. Maury to be someone everyone hates. Maybe they were just tired of him in this Ben Simmons situation, though, Jay. So my, my thing is this. I think the the Nets, like, they had to do this because Harden clearly wanted out of there. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and made it made it clear with his play he wanted out of there, made it clear with his actions he wanted out of there. And Hammy. And it's gotten to the point where I think Sam Amick wrote this. Like if Harden makes it known he wants out of there, like you gotta you gotta move him because he is going to fuck shit up for your organization. And so I think for the the Nets, like ceiling wise, this is a, a downgrade for them. Like there's a major gap between James Harden at his best and and Ben Simmons at his best, or Ben Simmons and Seth Curry at their best. But you have to do it because Harden put you in a situation where you had to move him. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and then because Harden was like that and because of the way he's played recently, now people are looking at him like, okay, he's older. He's, what is he, 31 or 32 now. Uh, he clearly has a lot of miles. He clearly is someone who's at least slowed down a half step or whatever this year, even though I, I still think he's going to look a lot better once he gets to a place where he actually wants to be but there's there's a lot of risk there that that maybe we didn't associate with Harden before. And I think that's why people are a little down from the 76ers perspective is because not only is there the risk that maybe his best basketball is behind him, but there's also the risk that like this dude seems to be extremely disgruntled or at, at least like he's always potentially a few months away from being extremely disgruntled. So the Sixers, they gave themselves a championship window here. They weren't winning a title with with Simmons, I think. They weren't winning a title with without him right. and with nobody else there. 
So they've given themselves a championship window, but it might just be shorter than they had wanted. Yeah, but it, but yeah, I, I think I agree with that. I, I also think we tend to just overly fantasize about how long a rain could last, right? Um, we did it with, with, with the heat. We did it with the Warriors. Um, like we do this with, we did it with the Thunder when they had, you know, LeBron did it with the Heat too. Well, for sure. Yeah, I think he might have started that. But but <laughs> like, four, but I always go five, back to I always go back 17. to this. Like, when the Thunder made the finals in 2012, we're like, oh my god, they're gonna be here for the next decade. And never got back, right? Like right. we, oh my god, the Warriors have ruined basketball for three seasons, and one of them didn't end in the title because they got hurt. Uh, like we we tend to think way too long term with this stuff, and I do think, like I do believe in emphasizing the short term rather than the long term with a lot of these situations um now i wouldn't go full billy king right and just give away <laughs> every pick unprotected <laughs> and every pick swap unprotected like i wouldn't do that but i do think there's a middle ground there where we have fetishized like having draft picks um and and what that means for an organization especially when it comes to second round draft picks right like i saw something with the nickel or alexander walker trade where like once the Blazers gave him up to Utah and got a second round pick, people are like, well, you know, they got a second round pick out of it. I'm like, that doesn't mean anything. Like Walker can can play now, right? He can he can play now on a on a good team. Now he may not be consistent or good, but he's a rotation dude now. A second round pick maybe makes the team, right? So we we do emphasize way too much long term stuff at this point. But but for the Sixers, like they, you're right, they didn't have a window at this point. Once that, once all that shit happened in Game Seven between them and the Hawks, their window closed. I think they had a window before that. The window closed to that moment, and they needed a resolution. They at least have a window now. Now maybe James Harden can't fit through that window, but they do have a window that is <laughs> that has been opened, and and that's going to be on them to figure out. So I do think it's a good move for them. There's a couple of things you said there. This whole thing about the second round picks, like because. You know, Jokic is an MVP was a second round right. pick, right? Yeah. We 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 had the thing with Draymond, everything. So we do kind of go a little bit nuts with the second round pick. You know, if your second round picks like in the fifties, yeah, you're 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 not getting anything. Right. Like it's you're you 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 didn't give up anything. Uh but the the thing for me is they got they, they got their championship window, but they've also made the other teams better, right? Like now Brooklyn yes. has also agreed. A, a, yeah. a, a much like if I, and I understand everything that we have to deal with, with Brooklyn, right? Like, but if Brooklyn becomes whole by the playoffs, you know, however it happens, I'm picking them over Philly. Like, I think they're a better team. I think Milwaukee's still a better team. Like, this is going to be an interesting uh, dynamic. I think Miami beats. There Philly. it is. There's the culture you know, chatter I was waiting um, for. You were you've been you've been dying. I just wait for you to mention Miami. Um, well, you mentioned them already, and by the way, you owe me ten bucks. Like we talked about this before. Anytime I mention Miami, you're going to give me some cash. Uh, I'm, I'm not sold yet on the Nets. It's Am not. I the only one not sold yet on the new look? But Nets? you also think Ben Simmons sucks. So yes. I don't think I don't. No, no, no. So that's not true at all. I I think Ben Simmons at what he does is very good. He's a very good passer. He obviously can really move. He's a great defender. He's going to help that defense. My thing is, I just, as great as Kevin Durant is, I just don't know if without Kyrie for half the games and with Ben Simmons as your second best player, if he can 
win a well, title against against another great team with, sure. with that situation. Maybe, like, is he? Are they going to beat the Bucks? And then the other part of it is they have immense. Like the Nets shooting is going to be ridiculous. It's absurd, man. With it's Seth absurd. Curry, Patty <laughs> oh Mills, Joe Harris, assuming he gets back. Like KD, Kyrie, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I, mean, I, haven't even, I haven't even talked about the, the two main guys yeah. there. You know, but and they're it, also going to be extremely small. Like three of their five best players are six three and shorter. Sure. Yeah. No. I, th- and none of them are good defenders. But one of but so, well, KD KD's a good defensive player again. Like, th- yeah. like he's been better this year than what he was a, like probably allowed to be with his body last year coming back from that injury. And Ben Simmons is otherworldly at defense right and so i think what what i think like not being sold on brooklyn right now like i get that i don't think we should believe in them the rest of the season right even if they get like i think there there's so much that has to get figured out there um that i i i think it's fine to be completely skeptical of this thing coming together on the fly what i would say though is to your comment about the sixers just made the opponent better right in in the way they they help the nets out here. I think it's safe to say like if the Sixers, even the Sixers believe, and maybe this won't be, you know, evident based on the extension they end up giving James Harden. But if the Sixers believe, okay, we just gave ourselves a two year window to win a title. Right. And we didn't have a window before and we gave ourselves a two year window. Um, I think it's fair for them to think, well, Brooklyn's not going to figure that shit out in two years. Right. Like, because you still have to get yep. Ben Simmons up to speed. You have to get Katie back and healthy. Um, are we convinced Kyrie is going to be allowed to play full time next year? Like, I'm not right. Like, I still I'm, think I'm, that's an ongoing issue. And so I think if you're if you're Philadelphia, you think, yes, they may end up winning that trade in the long run. But we just gave ourselves an, an advantage over them over the next two years. Now, they that may not end up proving to be correct, but I don't think that logic is crazy. And it's a good year, I think, to take a a short-term shot because there's no juggernaut this year like right. there are some very good teams like the the nets the bucks the heat in the east the suns the warriors out west like there are some very good teams, but there's no juggernaut so so giving yourself a shot this year is different than like going out and trying to do the same when there is like a warriors or a Shaq and kobe lakers or whoever right yeah i agree with that yeah. i mean i think I think the Nets side of this, if they had Ben Simmons last year instead of James Harden in that Milwaukee series, do you think that they win? Because I do. Yes. Yes. And I don't think you can really kind of argue that. I mean, just the fact that Harden was basically on one leg. He could do nothing. Right. And and, and, and the Bucs figured that out pretty quickly. That like, oh, he doesn't, he can't move. And just the, the, the impact defensively of what, Simmons can do versus a one-legged Harden, right? Like, like he was. Well, a they two-legged Harden's not doing well, anything. Sure, but especially a one-legged one, they were destroying <laughs> him. They were going at him every time, right? And and I think there's that aspect, and I think even on the offensive end, just Simmons in the short role is 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 going to open up stuff for for the uh, the the Nets and would have last season. I think yeah. that's really something. I think you would have gotten a lot more out of. So I think they would have won that series, and you know it's. I think they might have bought them the the Nets might or excuse me the Sixers might have bought them a window for this season. I don't necessarily agree because I think Kyrie is going to end up getting to play at least by next season. I think the way just the science is moving, I think they're going to be uh, it's going to work out. There's no way to predict any of this, but I think and by with, any of this with, you mean Kyrie? 
Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, if it's not this, who knows what's next, right? Like, you know, uh, oh, the the groundhog, whatever, saw his shadow. He's not playing for three weeks. Like, whatever. It's it's along those things. Um, but just the East is stacked, you know, and it's and there's no way to kind of pin it in any position where it's like Cleveland's getting better, right? Like, we don't know what they're going to be. They might struggle in the playoffs and things like that. We're going to get to it, but Boston's rolling. The Raptors are rolling. Like, this, the East is stacked, so I don't feel like you can look at it going like anybody's one favorite right now. You just go with the Bucks because they won it last year, but they got issues. I, 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 I just find this pretty, pretty damn good. Even with their they're, they're issues, rolling. like they're they're. I mean, a lot of the I mean, problems I think happen in the first month of the season. Yeah, right I now mean, the play-in tournament in the East would be Boston, Brooklyn, the Hawks, and the Hornets. Yeah. It's a fun time. I'm, I'm in. Like, you, can we just stop the season now? Can we just stop the season now and get that? Uh, you know, Kevin Durant's <laughs> not hurt or not healthy, right? So if we stop the well, season no, no, now, okay, okay, fine, yeah. fine, 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 then, fine. Okay, you're right. Then you're right. we're just watching stop it Patty and Mills and Seth Curry play, play against Boston. Like, How about we just stop the season now, but give it a few weeks? <laughs> like buy buy uh, KD some time. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, yeah, I, that that seems like... I. I Personally, don't worry about Washington, New York, or Indiana figuring it out and threatening this playing <laughs> tournament. I think we're oh Tyrese Halliburton. I, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> what are we talking? Yeah, I just about? saw him blow a lead to Karis LeVert last night, so uh, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not totally worried. And he was making horrible turnovers down the stretch. Like I'm, I'm not totally worried about Indiana getting this thing together at this point. Um, it was a hell of a first quarter. Amazing, though, amazing first quarter. Oh my god, you turn that game off halfway <laughs> through the third quarter. That's that's the pa- well that's a lot of Pacers games this year. If you turn off halfway through the third quarter, you have you feel really good about them. Um, no, I, I think and look, I I do think there are issues obviously that Brooklyn is going to have in implementing Ben Simmons. Like, does he still consider himself a point guard that needs the ball in his hands? If so, that's going to look a lot worse here in Brooklyn than it did in Philly because in Philly the the other answer was like, well, Joel Embiid can't like get the ball to himself, right? Like he can bring the ball up occasionally, but he, you don't want him doing that stuff. Like they have Kyrie, they have Seth Curry, they have Kevin Durant. Like those are all dudes who'd like to bring the ball up the floor is Ben Simmons going to need that, that touch right early in the, in a possession and feel like he's orchestrating things or is Steve Nash able to kind of meld him into whatever, whatever version of him they think they can maximize how open to all of that is he going to be? Like that, those are still fair questions to to hold over this Brooklyn the, team. The, they got yeah, that show. piece is really interesting because, like Mo said, if if you can turn Ben Simmons into some version of Draymond Green, right, right, like where he's setting screens, he's rolling, he's being very active, he's he's playing off the other guys, then all of a sudden that changes the floor. But if he's not willing to do that and buy into that and let that be his role. And I'm not sure whether he is. We've never really seen him in that role, but obviously with Embiid, it, it's it's a lot different. The the floor is different. Um, what you need to do is different. So I'm open to the possibility that 
that he'll be open to the possibility. <laughs> but, well, I would say, but but I think the thing too that we kind of forget with Draymond are there's quite a few possessions where he's the one bringing the ball up the court for the Warriors oh, for and sure. initiates yeah. the office. I think you're going to get you're going to get a mix of all of those things. It was just in Philly, he was rarely the screener, right? Cuz they just didn't have the ball handlers that could really make all of those things happen. When it did happen, he was able to find the shooters and at the few that they had, Danny Green or or Curry and things like that. I think you're going to just get a good mix of that stuff. If he really but I, if he wants that though, right? Like if he considers himself a point guard that needs the ball in his hands and we don't really know that, right? Like we got we have some reporting early on in this whole saga that that he wants like an offense built around him and everything i'm assuming when he goes to the team that has kevin durant like that's probably when he thought he was going to end up on the fucking kings or something right i'm assuming when he goes to a team that has kevin durant and has kyrie irving at least part time he's going to look at that and be like okay how do i fit in i would hope that but we don't know that well we never know with these guys right like you never know who's going to be thinking okay i should have a bigger role i mean with with all of those things but with just it's so much easier for him, like the so little pressure on him now, you know, for him not having to try to have that so role. So little I think pressure on Ben Simmons? In terms of offensively, yes. He has to be the second best player on a title team, just like he was in Philadelphia. No, he, like, doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He doesn't on the offensive end. He doesn't have to carry half, half the offensive load. He, does. he doesn't half have to. Half the games this year, the and then we'll see what happens next year with what the yeah, mandates but, but, are and but, everything. But, 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 like, I think... I, I see. So with Philly, like I said, I think this is a short term solution that that you maximize, hopefully with the Brooklyn thing, even though KD's like whatever age he is, 33 or whatever. Like, I, I still think this is more of a long term projection than a what can they do right now? It, like, if it's just about this season, I'm with you, Jay. Like, I think like, yeah, it's probably not coming together this season. But for next season, like, I don't know. I've, that's where I start feeling very optimistic about it. But I would also say Philly's got to change a whole lot of things to make this thing work with Harden on the fly this season. It's not an easy plug and play with him, right? Defensively, it's a massive change because he's a switch guy. That's not a switch team. They play primarily drop coverage with Joel Embiid. I think you have a lot more, you know, Embiid's going to want a lot of post-ups. You're going to have to figure out how to make all of that work because we all know Harden doesn't move when he doesn't have the ball. Like, wherever he passed the ball, that's where he's staying for the rest of the possession. Like, you you have a lot of challenges there on, on Phillies. And, like, they got a lot of things to figure out I bet, on the fly. I bet Embiid is more malleable in this situation fitting Harden in than we assume. I actually don't have it. I don't think Embiid's going to, unless Harden shows up um and and remains like out of shape and remains like kind of just you know going 80 percent through the motions and everything like if, if that's the harden we get then i think Embiid ends up saying He's like no, so this is my team so I'm, i gotta do this like whatever i think if harden shows up and he works his way into shape and he and we get like the effort james harden that you would hope for i bet Embiid is like i don't need as many touches in the post i don't need as many of that like i bet he is very malleable in that way Harden has also downright quit on two straight teams. Yes. <laughs> like, but, let, all right. It, it's outrageous. He fairness, pulled like a Vince Carter twice. In fairness, that Rocket situation had become a mess. Like, Ag- he is 100% agreed. justified in quitting on that, right? Maybe you didn't like the way he went about it, but, like, I, if I were him and I looked at, like, D'Antoni is like, nah, I'm good. And Daryl Morey is like, I think I need to spend some time away. Oh, Philly, right? Like, I think if those are the things, and then Westbrook's like, yeah, I don't want to be here either. I think that it is totally fair for Harden to look around and be like, I'm not going to be the last one in. 
Like I gotta, I gotta get out of here. Looking at this Brooklyn situation, look, there's a lot of different ways to go about this. And I don't know that he chose the right ways to do it, but he did get what he wanted. And I think like looking at, look, we've only played 16 games together. This is not what I thought it was going to be. I don't know what the fuck Kyrie's doing over here and when he's going to be available. And, you know, if you if you want to go off the, the Joe Varden story, right, like he's sage in this locker room and I'm confused as to why and all this stuff, right? And then KD's hurt with a knee injury and looking at that and be like, well, is KD going to be back? Like, is this where I want to, like, like, I think, I think they're, like, I think these guys are allowed to, want a situation, get there and be like, ah, shit, this is not what I thought it would be. I should get somewhere else. I know we don't generally like that kind of decision-making in sports. I think it's fine. It's just, it's the way that it's the way people go about it. I think that's where the issues should come up rather than the decisions themselves. And it, it goes back really even before what he's, what he did at the end in Houston and what he did at the end of Brooklyn, like Chris Paul wanted out, didn't want to play with him. Dwight Howard wanted out, didn't want to play with him. Like, there is a long history of James Harden not working with oh, other absolutely. Star no, I'm not trying to absolve and I think that's James part of the risk for James Philadelphia. Harden. I'm not trying to do that. That's part of yeah. the risk for Philadelphia, too. And obviously, Daryl Morey knows him better than just about anyone does. But he might have, I mean, like, just, beer goggles when it comes to James Harden, right? You saw the hug. We saw the hug when we Harden the got hug. off the we plane, man. The that was just like, was I've tender. missed you so not, much. I have it's not been seen a, this hug. Hold on. Let me find it's been, this. It's been... It's been oh, like it's two years. Like, you know, you we've seen the hug. It's it, it's funny because Harden has given him like a quick little hug and he just goes right like, in there for the I'm not letting you embrace. go. I'm not letting you go. <laughs> Never again. They will separate us. Like that's, you know, that was the, the hug from Maury. Like, you know, um, I just, it's I don't even mind him wanting out. I really don't. But it's like Zach was saying, it's just the way he did it. Like that performance with the Kings in the Kings game where he basically was like, yep, I'm not playing at all any defense and, you know, just going to score four points and two of 11 from the field, things like that. Like that's the kind of stuff where I'm just like, dude, come on, man. Like you can make, you can do all that stuff behind the scenes and still try a little bit on, a, on, on, on the defensive end and still try to play. And I think those are the, or just sit out or just say, Hey, I'm hurt. I'm not playing. Um, but I think those are the things that are, that are really worrisome when it comes to Harden and the stuff like I, you, I just, when it goes bad, he, he just has a real bad way of going about it. I don't think this hug yeah. is that is what you got. You're talking about when he's first off this plane, right? Oh yeah. It's like a little bit of a dap and then a hug but, and Harden has but, the but one arm, see, but he also has a Harden's bag and trying to give him the, he also has his hand in the, the quick pocket. hug. Yeah, he goes for the quick hug. Maury's going Maury hard. puts his Maury's head trying- down a little bit on the shoulder, but for the most part, like but that's only because Harden pulled away, Zach. It wasn't yeah. it, Maury, they would still be hugging right now if Maury was had it his way. Jay or was it James Edwards the third who thought Daryl Maury six ten? <laughs> I think that was James. Okay, that, that was James. He's like he's like six ten. I was like he's like six four. Like, he's on, taller Zach, than you would Zach. expect, but he's not like. There are some but Zach, did you really expect like Jay to give you the like correct answer? So I feel which... like James was sharing some of those. When, when I think James was, was talking about like he saw him in person. It was like he's like six ten. I'm like, what? Are, what do you do for a living? Because it can't be looking at basketball players. I love that you're trusting uh, uh, Jay to tell us if he no Jay will always back up something he said though right I, he won't like shy from it Mayweather. I could say like did you say this stupid thing he's like I did but it's not stupid for these reasons like <laughs> <laughs> he was standing That's on a box fair. when I saw yeah. him <laughs> all right let's go to uh, let's go to uh, we'll start off negative let's go to a loser from the deadline <laughs> too real just too real. 
Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out, birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids. And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. A loser from the deadline. Do you, either you guys have a, a loser off the top of your head from the deadline? I, I think it's the Knicks not being able not to do anything. anything. Yeah. Not doing anything. I mean, it's it's I don't even know what they're doing. Like Tibbs isn't going to play any of the young guys. Like you're 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 struggling there, and the front office needed to make moves to just create room so that those kids can get opportunities to develop. And you know, I think that's the big one right there, not being able to get anything done. Wait, hold on. Uh, Tibbs won't play the young guys, or he's not playing Cam Reddish because those are two very different things. Well, that, you know, that's that's fair. Yeah. He won't play Cam Reddish, okay. and I think you know you gave up a first round pick for him. Right. It's 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 and it's, Kevin Knox. So you gave him a first round pick for him and the, 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 you know, front office is like, yo, we need to see him play with our team. Like this is we need to make a decision here at the end of the season, what we want to do going forward. It's those types of things. And he, and he kind of just buried him and hasn't, he's barely played him and things like that. And just on top of it too, you said at the beginning of this, they're not getting into the playing tournament. What are you doing? I'm, I'm going to make a bold claim that's maybe not so bold. Here we go. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Thibodeau's gone after this season. I wouldn't be surprised at that either. Wouldn't, because, wouldn't surprise me. There, there is clearly the Cam Reddish trade shows such a major disconnect between the front office and the head coach. And I think Thibodeau was like worthy coach of the year candidate. I don't even remember who won coach of the year last Tom season. Tom Thibodeau. He yeah. did, yeah. So he, he was a worthy, worthy coach of the year last season, but but now it's like, first of all, I don't think their roster is very good. I I don't really put a lot of it on him, but also when your front office clearly values Cam Reddish and wants him around and probably want him to be part of the rotation, they give up a first round pick for the guy, and Tibbs is like, nope. <laughs> nope not gonna do yeah. it <laughs> not doing it that usually spells trouble which is funny like who's playing and over him in these games it's like I'm, it, it, i guess burks is that's why it's got to be infuriating for the front yeah. office too it's not like they're rolling and what's tibbs is trying to do is working right because rose i mean like rose hasn't played since like fucking november right yeah um but yeah that's confusing yeah. You're three and seven. And I don't in your think last Cam Reddish is good. Like, like I happen to be with Tibbs on this one. 
Like he's intriguing long term, but right now, like I don't think he's right. Good. But if you're, well, if you're can... playing like Quentin Grimes over him, Quentin Grimes is nice. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think what's what's funny about this was when Tibbs was hired, it was him and Leon Rose were, you know, his former agent. They go way back. We all kind of knew this was who was going to be hired the second Rose got that job, and now it's just funny in year two you already have that disconnect and when you have that it's hard to really come back from it so if he's not fired at the end of this year or if it's not he's not out of there he's gonna have a short leash i think starting next season hey man julius Randle stops playing like a star it all falls apart like that shit was a house of cards right and he was the only card holding it up and then he's not very good this year and that thing looks so different it feels so different and the fringe work that they try to do, I guess Fournier for them, the amount they spent on him wasn't really a fringe move, but like the Kemba signing hasn't panned out. Yeah. The like Reggie Bullock was a big piece for yeah, them. Mitchell Robinson is a For, disaster defensively. Fournier player. hasn't been very good this year. Like Nerlens Noel, who was very good defensively for them. Like I don't know how many games he's played this year. Like twenty five. So yeah. yeah. So there's there's a lot that's gone wrong for them. But everything went right for them last year. And yeah, I feel true. like that, yeah. everyone knew they were going to regress to the mean, except for the Knicks. But I think regressing this hard is is a bit of a surprise, right? Yeah, I think they expected a step back, but not like as Zach was saying. I, just, I don't think they expected to be out of the whole playing tournament. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. like I, I think, think they the playing tournament. Like it's okay. We feel good about this, this, and this, right? And we're building this, this, and that. Um, but yeah, the disconnect with with Tibbs in the front office, like that's a real thing. And you're seeing it in in a lot, like you saw it with the Kemba thing back in, what was that, December, right? The only reason he got back in the rotation is because they needed bodies. Yeah. Like, that's really the only reason he he. And then you see, you see R.J. Barrett after playing, like, tons and tons of minutes, checks back in at the end of a A blowout and gets hurt. Yeah. And gets hurt. Stupid. And then... Like so, there, there's just little stuff like that, and I guess that's not really a little thing, but but stuff like that. It's like sometimes Tibbs is going to tip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jay, what's a what's a loser of the deadline for you? The Lakers, man. <laughs> the, the Lakers. They're like, more a loser of the offseason, wrong, right? Like, what were they supposed right, to do with right. the deadline? <laughs> but I'm just saying, they like there's no hope. Literally zero hope. They had a team that went into the deadline was clearly checked out. They have Russell Westbrook getting benched in the fourth quarter, then making crazy comments to the press. Like, Oh my, my, my back was, my back was hurt because I'm not used to sitting as for such long stretches. What a a line he's coming out and being like, I I don't want to call it passive aggressive because it's pretty just aggressive. Um, But so there are clear problems there. They did nothing to address it. I don't think they, there was anything they could have done to salvage this season, but also the fact that they just didn't try or, or, or just found decided nothing and just like threw their hands in the air and decided, you know, we're, we're going to go forward with this bunch is just, I laughed. I literally laughed out loud when when whoever reported the news that the lakers were going to sit tight i laughed out loud <laughs> by myself i i was i was sitting there at my table just like tears streaming down my I, face I also well real quick i just want to let you guys know i'm going to unveil some some news on my in my world 
I have decided not to pursue Eva Mendes. Okay. Just want to let you know. I'm going to sit, I'm going to, I'm going to sit out that one. That's a tough are, one. Are for you guys shocked that Taylor Horton Tucker and 2027 first round pick? Didn't you know what? Much? I would take that 2027 first round pick just because like that might be, no, that the, might be the a Rockets tried. <laughs> the Rockets tried. They offered. Yeah. The, the rumors are they offered John Wall for Russ and that pick, yeah. you know, like they, they were trying and, and, you know, let's give the Lakers credit, at least not giving up that pick, but you know what that means, guys, they're just going to give away two picks in the off season. That's all, you know, they were just like, we can't give this one up now. We're going to, we're going to wait till wait. the off season yeah, sure. and send you and not just send one, but two. Yes, they've been paying attention to those John Wall workouts, man. He looks good. Yeah. I will you keep know, bringing that like, up until he gets a, <laughs> he gets a job somewhere. He looks good. He is dunking with that left hand. Like he used to in his prime. Oh man. I'm all in on the John Wallace. He was so good for a couple of years, man. Oh, he's fantastic. He was electric. That dude, in, that dude would injuries, crossover man. in like in stride in like at full speed fast break and completely just leave a defender in the dust and they had no idea how that happened like i mean he was I mean, so fun burn anybody so and then good. cross court pass to the opposite corner yeah. wide open guys like it was so fun it, he was yeah, fun to was watch so fun. for like a couple of years and then he was awful to watch at the end of of Washington. Yeah, he was hurt yeah. though. Like I mean I mean those once your knees go, it kind of <laughs> when your game is speed and you yeah, know it's, it's, you, it's you hurt one. the knees, it's tough to recover um, from that. And I'm gonna go sense. with and I'm I'm open to the idea that I'm gonna be wrong on this, okay? I don't feel strongly about it. I don't like what Dallas did. I have that was a weird I have one. No problem with them getting rid of Porzingis. Like that, like it clearly wasn't what they wanted it to be. I wouldn't want to pay him that money. Like, are we convinced Davis Bertans is going to be good again? I'm not. No. And I, I well, here's the thing. Are. And if he is going to be good, it's going to be with someone like Luca. For though. sure. That's a, that's a great point. Like it, like if anyone's going to bring it back, it's going to be Luca. And then bringing in Dinwiddie, who I don't think is as bad as he's been in Washington. Like, I think he's going to improve, but is that because you think the three of them can play together with him Luca and Jalen Brunson, or is this insurance in case Jalen Brunson is too expensive this offseason when he's an unrestricted free agent? And if that's the case, I'd rather just pay the money to Jalen Brunson and keep him around. And so I just thought it was two weird contracts to bring on. It doesn't help with their flexibility. And and it may all all this criticism may not matter because Luca looks like he's in shape now. Like Luca's killing right now. And so he might I was, just I was watching Yo, him. He was, <laughs> He is so just good in, right just now. Just in a post game interview, and I was like, "Yo, he looks. He looks <laughs> like his body is. Transformed. He looks like he looks. He looks like he got just. Tra- he just got Forget traded from Houston to Brooklyn. Like that's the body transformation. Like, <laughs> I, w- I was more surprised seeing him in the post game interview just because he looked so skinny. Yeah, no, he looks. Amazing I don't know why right it now. looked skinnier in the post game interview than it did on the he's court. Playing his ass off, and so. They, this deal could end up being something that doesn't make any sense on the court and it doesn't matter because Luca's just that good. So I'm open to that idea, but I just thought like, and not that I thought they should necessarily be able to get anything for Chris Dabbs. I just thought the fits were weird with what they brought in. I think the only thing that, I, well, first of all, I do think Dinwiddie will play better, but I, I also yeah, I do too. really, really believe that Bertans could be a lot different next to Luca. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think there's a chance, like, we saw a lot of during, you know, LeBron's younger years, especially you surround him with any shooters and they're going to have career year like Booby Gibson, J.R. Smith, whoever. It didn't matter. You give him guys who could make shots. 
they're going to have career years. And Bertans is an elite shooter. And he hasn't always been like that lately. I think he was out of shape for a while. He dealt with some stuff. But if if he can just make – he's going to be more wide open than he's been ever next to Luca. And I, I think that if if that pans out, then he could be a weapon for them. I it, For me, it's – my view of it for the Mavs wasn't so much the talent as much as, hey, let's just break up Porzingis's contract, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Like, th- just think about it this way. This was the only return they could get for Porzingis, right? They're lucky they didn't have to That's attach fair. a yeah. draft pick and things like that. So for them, their thinking is like, we're, th- this is me being hypothetical, but hey, we're not in a position to win a championship this year. Like He's and, not, he, you know, he can't even stay on the court. He, he's not healthy like this is the this is the healthiest we've probably had him the fact somebody else is willing to pay him the 30 something million let's break up that contract hopefully we can rehab these dudes a little bit to the point where there's some more value and we can move off of them down the road but it becomes easier it's easier to trade 18 million or whatever they're making versus the 30 something million that Porzingis is making when he's not playing and I think that's the important aspect there that they that's how their view of it was. Yeah. Let's break up the contract and hopefully this will lead to other moves down the road. That's fair. Yeah. I like I like that take. Yeah, that's I fair. like that take a lot. I also don't really like this move for Washington either. Like um it's fine, I guess. Yeah, I get I, I, <laughs> I guess like, it, it helps them more long term in the sense that like they don't have that extra year of Bertons on the books, right? Yeah. And so, like, I think it makes sense from that standpoint. Um, they brought back Ish Smith. So I don't, like, I think Dinwiddie was kind of, not that they're on the same level, but I think that made Dinwiddie, like, easier to to part with because you still have, like, a real point guard on the floor who can, you know, who can attack into the paint and who can get guys involved, more importantly. So I think that helps it. Um, and I guess it just depends on, and we don't have to get deep in this conversation. We've done this for three years now, but like, it just depends on what you think Bradley Beal is going to do there. Right. All right. Like I, I do think that if he decides he wants out and they, and they end up trading him sign and trade, whatever that ends up being, um, then I think they're better set up to like quick rebuild with like clearing the books and everything by doing that deal. Um, if it's to try to convince him to, to want to stay, I don't know if Chris Stapps is the right bargaining chip to be like all right look we got your guy like i don't i don't think that's gonna work yeah yeah that's that's the thing hey we we got you a big piece my man big big piece it's kevin or it's chris taps for yeah it's also interesting from dallas's perspective this deal because what's made them good this year is their defense yes and this didn't make their defense better um no but it didn't hurt it either Right, I don't know. I mean, Porzingis has issues, but he is a when, he's when a he's, presence to to block shots. Like I don't know when he's yeah. when he's right. I think he's at least a little bit of a rim protector. He can do a little bit more stuff in that sense. Like I, he's missed, I, I, he's missed twenty the other games. Guy, Bertans, like, he's missed twenty games. Bertans is Mister Ole for sure. Bertans he, is horrible he, he, on defense, but like Porzingis has missed twenty games. It's not like he was out there anchoring that shit. Like they've they've no, just managed sure. to compete regardless of who's on the floor. Right. I mean, nobody's nobody's going like expecting big things from Porzingis right now in Washington. Right. Right. We're not we're not looking at that going like this is a major trade for them. This was just a hey, 
you take our one really bad big contract and we'll take two of your bad contracts. Is this the first time Latvians have been traded for each other in the NBA? Did anyone dig into that? You know what? Sounds like you got a story idea. You should have Jade cut this out. You don't want you don't want to give these I'm things up. Mark Stein do it. He's way more connected and way, cares way more about that stuff. <laughs> um, all right. What about a winner from the trade deadline? Jay, who's your winner from the trade deadline? I'm going to go with. Good. Good. Philly. Philly. Really? Good long pause there. To get that, Philly. To get that second guy? Yeah, I, I just think. Like I said, they went from no chance to win a championship to I don't know what percentage it is, but it's sizable. Like it's 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 not close to zero anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I just think that that that's really important, um, and that matters to me more than more than anything. And I do think like the long term risk of this is real, and it may hurt. <laughs> it may hurt yeah. a lot, especially if but, he's getting sixty two. At oh, 37. <laughs> but but they turned a dude who literally was not playing, refused, refused to play yeah. basketball for them into a guy who, when he's right and when he's healthy, is a top five or seven player in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't think you can look at it what they lost anymore. Well, I guess with Seth Curry, that's a loss, right? But you can't look at it like they, yeah. they had already lost that with Ben Simmons. Like that was now never going to be something that they were they could be like, well, we are giving up this guy. Like he was, he was gone, right? So you do have to kind of change the way that you think about most trades in that scenario. Um, Mo, who's a winner of the deadline for you? I think the Phoenix Suns. Partly, I think just the, the quiet little moves that they made, picking up Tory Craig is another guy that's going to help them. You know, just adding more depth. I'll forever and believe that in Aaron Holiday. Forever. And exactly, yeah. and Aaron Holiday, right? And then, but then, just the other thing too is nobody made a move in the West. They should have them worried, right? Like yeah. nobody made a game-changing move to the point that you got to go like, damn, they're going to be in competition, you know, against the Suns in the West. I think the the Suns are, you know, pretty much head and shoulders above everybody else in the Western Conference unless Draymond Green comes back fully healthy. And and, and I'm not sure that's going to be the case. I think just for Phoenix, this was a win for them. Yeah, I like that. Um, I think I think that's accurate. I like that. I like that too. Yeah. I, lo- I love claiming that. Getting Tory I'm Craig leaving the, the podcast on that they high note. Finals last this year after trading for Tory Craig. Let's do it again. <laughs> I'm I'm leaving on a high note. You guys both agreed with something. I'm out. See ya. No, <laughs> you weren't contributing that mean, much in the first place. We can do it without. My, oh, my, man, my man thinks Tory Craig and so Aaron mean. Holiday are so the winners of the trade deadline. That's that's like when Zach said last year Nemanja Bielica was the winner. Hey man, that was the you best saw those, how he played those two games in that series. He was a lights out. He was lighting them up. He should have been played more. That's on Spol. <laughs> All right. Wow. That's okay. a failure. Okay. Um, okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with, and this will transition to our next conversation, Boston Celtics. I love what they did. They bring back Daniel Tice, who, like, and having him as a third big man instead of, uh, instead of Ennis, like, that's a massive upgrade. And then I love the pickup of Derek White. I, I don't think they gave up too much for it. Like, if you think about, all right, they gave up this first round pick, right? And there's very little chance that that guy that, ends up getting selected with that pick ends up being as good as Derek white. And I just think like now you have him, you have Marcus smart out there to make plays on both ends of the floor. Um, you can really like that defense is so good. Jay right now. And you just picked up Derek white. Like they can, they can unleash hell defensively and really make that even more their identity. And I just think that that was, 
Um, you know, it, it was a little bit Doc Rivers and getting Daniel Tice, right? For 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 Brad Stevens and like, hey, my guy, like after especially after doing that with uh with Al Horford in the offseason. But going and getting Derek White, like I think that is a brilliant pickup. And they and they've been so good lately. They're so good defensively. You're seeing it gel a lot more. Um, any idea that they were gonna break up Tatum and Brown, I think was always a supreme overreaction. Um that and I don't think they were ever gonna consider that. Uh but they're but to now increase that depth. Cause I just like, you didn't lose anything with Schroeder leaving, right? You didn't lose anything with Ennis leaving, leaving. You didn't lose anything. Like, all right, Josh Richardson can contribute. He was knocking down shots. He's a solid defender. Like that's something to replace. You can place, replace that with Derek white. Um, you can yeah, replace he does a lot yeah, Daniel Tice yeah, for, for depth. Does. You, you replace that. Like, I, I think they went from having a bunch of questions with their, their bench. And, and I don't know if Derek's, if they're playing on starting Derek or bringing him off the bench, but either way, the way you can stagger that stuff, I think they 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 really improved their depth going into this final stretch. Yeah, I, I think this was kind of doubling down by Brad Stevens on a formula that he thinks really works. Like their starting lineup with Marcus Smart at point guard just has plus size everywhere yeah. and has been unbelievable defensively this year. And if you look back the last three weeks, Celtics have played with a totally different purpose. They've played a totally different brand of basketball. They are cutting. They are moving the ball. They are doing the things Ime Odoka wants. And so they wanted to add to the the formula that that has worked for them lately. And getting Derek White, who's sort of Marcus Smart-ish, allows them to have those jumbo lineups if they want at all times. And I think like in the playoff series... I think they might even have like a seven man rotation with just Derek White and Grant Williams as their two guys off the bench. Yeah, I agree with that. And you just you only have really good defenders. Like it's all really good defender. This could be playoff wise because they have no holes, because Marcus Smart and Derek White, who can guard anyone from fours to point guards, are their their two ball handlers like they could have an unbelievable defense. There are offensive questions. There for are sure. shooting questions. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There are questions about how they get from where they are now to becoming a title contender down the road. But I think they've they've they think they've found what can work for them next to Jason Tatum and Jalen. And Brown. they have an identity, right? Like, yeah, they, like they have. An they identity. still have questions offensively. Yeah. I'm with you, and even the approach of their two stars, like well, mostly Tatum, when it comes to like that late game stuff, like. Yeah, I still have plenty of questions what? about that and plenty of doubts, but I'm like for a team that just knows what the fuck they are. Like the Celtics know like we are going to be held defensively. You may beat us, but that's, like we are going to be held defensively. And I think that matters. And that's I, th- that's where White I think the closing stuff, I think that's where White makes the biggest impact is because they had Schroeder a lot in the closing lineup before. Number 1, teams attack him. Number 2, he was an ISO heavy guy. Yeah in next to two guys in Tatum and Brown who when they resort to their worst habits are ISO heavy guys too and it just didn't work and and so you get white in there and all of a sudden you're huge you can play defense you've got guys who can dribble pass not not necessarily all all of them shoot but but they're going to be great defensively and they just have a lot more IQ now than they did before the deadline. And the, I think the IQ part is huge too. The most important thing is, and Jay, you know how I feel about the Celtics offense. He's another ball mover. 
Yeah. Right. Like he's not a guy. He can really pass. He's not going to just hold on to it when the ball gets to him. He's going to swing. He's going to look to make the right plays. He's going to find all those movements. All your points on on the on the defensive end are are, are accurate. He's going to be the guy that's going to chase around Trey Young and have to hound him on the court if they play Atlanta at any point in the playoffs. And those scenarios, Darius Garland, all of those things, and it allows Marcus Smart to be able to kind of rotate over and 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 provide help in those instances and things like that, and kind of relieves Smart in terms of not having to burn all of that energy. And I think this is something we've seen from the Celtics in this hot run of theirs right now is just how well they're moving the ball. He's going to slide right into that. But the, it, it all comes down to, at the end of the day, can him and Smart shoot well enough so that they're able to make it so defenses don't pack the paint against them on offense? Yeah, I think that's going to be the biggest right? challenge. Yeah, Maybe not. Yeah, yeah. And, but even, even then, at least you know they're going to defend. So the other team is going to have to at least find a way to score on them as well. So I think that's going to be the the challenge there. But everything you guys said, like this nails it. Like this was a great, yeah. great trade deadline for, for Steve. Yeah, I also agree with me. Um, I, th- I think with this team, it's, it's, uh, I think before, I think they were going to get rolled in the playoffs. Like I really do. I think they were going to be just mismatches, lack of depth. I think they were going to get rolled in the first round. Now, like I could see them upsetting something. Like I don't think they would upset Milwaukee or Miami, but I I could see them upsetting anybody else in a first round matchup. Like I really do. Like I don't have any doubts about them making it through the playing tournament anymore. And I think that like I probably wouldn't believe that they can get into the conference finals. Um, although after what the Hawks did last year, anything I guess anything's possible. <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't I shouldn't say that. But um, but I, I I can definitely see them in the second round, and I could not see that before. And I think too, like because. Tatum and Brown are very similar players. When you run them in actions at the end of games, like teams just switch it. It's auto switch. They have the two best defenders on them. You don't get much help. But now if you have Smart and White out there with him, you've got jumbo guards. So we saw in against Denver, they had Campazzo out there, and they just put Derek White or Marcus Smart in the screening action yeah. and just oh, they were killing them. Try yeah. to try to mash Campazzo took them apart in the, and yeah. put put Denver in some bad spots because of that. And, you know, they try to do that sometimes with Josh Richardson or Dennis Schroeder. Those guys don't have the IQ. It's like even even when Tatum Brown made the right read to get it to those guys, it was that's where it stopped a lot of the time. And and white and smart can keep the ball moving, can capitalize on that. And they're bigger. Yeah, much yeah, bigger. for sure. So I think that's where it'll help well, a lot, too. I mean, I'll go ahead. The, the and one at the and one at the end of that towards the end of that game that Derek White had is exactly what you were describing, yeah. Jay, right? Like White yeah. slips, Jalen Brown hits him with a great pass, and he gets a big and one because Composo is chasing at that point. It's exactly that type of stuff. And the team, they just got smarter. It's just at the end of the day, you're just looking at that going like, that's going to take them so far. Um, before we go, and it's a few days old at this point, so I don't want to spend too much time on it, and I could not give a shit about breaking down the rosters of Team LeBron versus Team Kevin Durant. Like, that doesn't mean anything. But... The show, the show itself, <laughs> the execution Incredible. of the draft itself, Incredible. and the trolling of Kevin Durant, which one I thought he did 
a brilliant job of not breaking, right? Of keeping a stone face no matter what. Like he they, he cracked a smile a little bit a couple of times, but for the most part, what an incredible poker face that he had throughout that whole thing, which was the opposite <laughs> of LeBron having to hold up a clipboard in front of his face every 40 seconds because he was laughing so hard at the trolling he was doing of the Harden trade in the situation. And I just thought the way the studio team handled it was Shaq and Kenny and Ernie and and, uh, and Charles. And then and then the way LeBron was egging things on and, and KD got to play the straight man there. Like that was that was some of the best sports television I have ever seen. I mean, it was amazing in the sense of I had no idea the draft was <laughs> on the same day as the deadline. What, time, what terrible that is timing. perfect timing what for terrible the draft. Timing. Oh, perfect timing. Perfect timing. <laughs> and, I, I, and, it just, and then I yeah. look up and I'm like, oh, my God, this is happening. This is amazing. Oh, it was so it was good. Man. That was also so funny. Like, I usually find LeBron to be super corny. He was so funny during that that show (laughs) that was also the only way rudy gobert was going to (laughs) avoid being set that up to just keep (laughs) avoiding taking james like what just brilliance out of lebron like absolute brilliance and then they're just like selling kd just like well you know you know you need some size in there you're gonna need a you know presence inside and he's like yeah you're right you know lebron's got a lot of size and leg. okay yeah i'll take rudy gobert (laughs) just perfect absolute (laughs) perfect execution of a brilliant trolling oh my god oh man it was if you haven't seen it go to youtube or whatever the hell you watch videos these days you just gotta find it like it's so good it's so worth it like even if you're over these studio shows or whatever this was perfect television absolutely rant's reaction to the harden deal has been pretty funny yeah because he's come out like yep both sides got what they yep. wanted. <laughs> nice to have guys who actually want to be here. <laughs> like, oh man, it's crazy how quickly that that went south. They they played such beautiful basketball when they were healthy last season, man. Like and it was crazy. It's it's too bad that for a whole long list of reasons they never recaptured that. It's yeah, it's just fun. Like it's kind of, I think a little bit to the point that I. I tried to make earlier of just like, we never know like the longevity of any of this stuff that looks great, you know? And this is a perfect, like this didn't even get a chance to get off the ground because of the injuries, because of the mandate. It's it's nuts. You think about, think about what Sean Marks must've been thinking in mid January of last season, right? Like, holy (laughs) shit, I got James Harden. We got KD and Kyrie. Like we're not, we're on top of the world. We're not going to, they looked unbeatable. Oh my god! They, like it was. They they beat the piss out of the Bucks early in that. Oh, series. for sure, absolutely, and and they only had two guys. Healthy. Yeah, like they were five and one in the playoffs with those with those three guys together. Right? They played sixteen games total. They were like thirteen and three in those sixteen games. Like putting up one hundred and twenty points per one hundred possession. Like it was just it was unstoppable, unless. There's a vaccine mandate and a hamstring issue and a knee injury. Like then it looks very beatable and it looks like 10 losses in a row. That's what it looks like. And it, it's, it's, it's weird because at once, I think everyone, when that group got assembled, just figured something would happen. That's one of them at least would get, get dissatisfied and the whole thing would kind of crumble. Or at least there was serious potential for that but the way it happened was just, just oh my god surreal yeah. it's just surreal. unbelievable absolutely <laughs> surreal nothing else to say it's just it's no. it's the biggest what if we're gonna get for a long time 
and the most outrageous whatever. Yeah, you know? no, they just got stuck between. Like it wasn't just it wasn't just injuries. No, like... no, 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 no. It was like yeah. the highest of drama that you could script. Like it, they just really got stuck between a rock and a hardened place. And that's gonna do it for oh, this wow. episode of the Basket Buds edition of the Athletic oh, man, NBA Show podcast. Oh. Make sure you subscribe sorry, to the Athletic, theAthletic.com, the best coverage of sports. Now that we're done with the trade deadline, get ready for that stretch run. Maybe coverage of whenever the hell baseball comes around. Obviously the Super Bowl and all that stuff and all the fallout of the NFL season. I hear we got soccer. I hear we got hockey. We got all kinds of stuff that you would want. So make sure you subscribe to The Athletic. Check out all the other podcasts on The Athletic Podcast Network. All the team shows. Make sure you check out No Dunks. Make sure you check out Michelle Beadle's podcast. What did I miss with Michelle Beadle? Check all that stuff. For Mo Dacchio, for Jade Hoyer, for Jay King. I'm Zach Harper. Keep it locked on The Athletic. You guys get it? Rocking a hardened place like rocking a hard place. I believe that to me is no big deal. Some guy calling me a boy.